Space may not be such a final frontier after all, and it might not be as empty as we have been led to believe. Is the Catholic Church in league with aliens? Was Jesus an extraterrestrial? Has NASA been trying to make two suns in the sunset using radioactive material and space probes? And what's in a name, as Shakespeare asked? Well, when you name something Lucifer, you shouldn't be all that surprised when conspiracy theories begin cropping up around your scientific project. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The Lucifer Project. Big scary in the sky. Okay, so when you come across the term the Lucifer Project, there are actually two separate conspiracy theories, both involving space. We'll start with version Version one. one. The Vatican has a telescope named Lucifer that they use to locate, track, and communicate with aliens from other planets. The goal is to create a one-world government ruled by extraterrestrials with Catholics and Jesuits as the human interface with our alien overlords. This was really started by evangelical Baptist preacher and conspiracy book writer Tom Horn, as well as a man named Chris Putnam, who is a theologian. Together, they wrote five books. They claimed that they pretended to be journalists and under this ruse gained access to the Mount Graham Complex, which is an observatory run by the University of Arizona. For the record, they welcome visitors there. You don't have to pretend to be journalists. Anybody can go. It's actually run by the U.S. Forestry Service. There they saw VAT, V-A-T-T, which is the Vatican Advanced Technology Telescope, and they also saw the LBT, the Large Binocular Telescope, and this got them thinking. Horn then emailed with a Jesuit astronomer, who's also president of the Vatican Observatory Foundation, a guy named Guy Consomagno, who, he claimed, communicated that the Vatican was using the VATT to look for aliens. Horn also said that he claimed that Jesus was the son of an alien abductee and was part human and part alien. That's the whole virgin birth business. Of course, Mr. Consomagno denies that these communications ever took place and he denies that he said or even thinks those things. 
The pair also spoke with Corrado Balducci, who's a Catholic theologian and exorcist, who has written several books on topics like subliminal messages in rock albums, demonic possession, and aliens, who, and again, they say he told them that the Vatican knows all about aliens and tracks alien activities through various Vatican embassies around the world. He also told them that the Mount Graham site is a stargate for both aliens and interdimensional entities. Kind of a buy one, get one free. They shared their findings on The Jim Baker Show, on televangelist Sid Roth's show, It's Supernatural, and of course, in books that they wrote and then, you know, sold for profit. And some people believed them. And then they began to take this base plot and sort of decorate it. Embellishments to the core theory are that the Catholics have been searching for the second coming for the past 500 years, but they're looking for the second coming among the aliens. Remember, Jesus is part alien. And using this telescope, what's known as the Lucifer telescope, more about that in a minute, they have found him. This has actually been the entire purpose of the Catholic Church since its very beginnings. Another wrinkle in the fabric of this theory is on planet X, sometimes known as Nibiru, for more on that, refer to the Saddam's Stargate podcast done earlier. On this planet, there's a group of demons known as the Nephilim. These demons will come to earth and convert Christians, making them renounce God in favor of a new faith that they will bring themselves. Also, these demons have a deal with the Antichrist. When planet X or Nibiru, which might be a planet or might be a brown dwarf, swings into the inner solar system as it does every 3,600 years, there will be much destruction and much loss of life. The Catholic Church will then morph into this new religion for the survivors and the demon Nephilim who will pretend to be aliens. And then conspiracy guy Paul Sandu suggested that Horm and Putnam were actually not whistleblowers on this vast Vatican conspiracy, but actually Jesuit shills spreading disinformation, either willingly or he did allow that perhaps they had been duped. He thinks the Vatican is actually an anti-Christian organization. Keep in mind, he also thinks that the earth is flat, that there are no other planets, and that Jesuits have been pushing the hoaxes of astronomy and the Big Bang for centuries, even though the Big Bang is a fairly new idea. So that's the essence of the theory. The, the actual, actual poop. poop. So there is a Vatican-maintained observatory on top of Mount Graham in Arizona. One of the instruments is called the Large Binocular Telescope Near-Infrared Spectroscopic Utility with Camera and, and Integral Field Unit for Extragalactic Research. Which, if you choose certain words, acronyms to Lucifer. Actually, if you really just wanted to make it an acronym, it would be Labatnesukifuir, which, of course, is nothing. It later was shortened to LUCI, L-U-C-I, because some people didn't really like the Lucifer acronym. Actually, this isn't even actually a telescope. It's an imaging module for the LBT, which is a telescope. The Vatican runs Lucy, or Lucifer, and an international group runs the LBT. The LBT was partly funded by the German state Baden-Württemberg. 
The head of that state's name at the time was Erwin Teufel. Teufel in German means devil. And so they decided to acronym the name of their imaging module to Lucifer as a joke, a funny German joke, being a pun on his name, Teufel. The whole project actually is designed to look at low temperature physics in space. So that's version one. But if you go on to Google or the search engine of your choice and you type in Lucifer Project, you'll actually come across more often version, version two. two. So now we turn our attention to the Galileo and Cassini spacecraft. Galileo was launched in 1989. It reached Jupiter in 1995, the first spacecraft to ever orbit that planet. Took a lot of great pictures and readings. And then in 2003, its mission over, it was sent into the Hovian atmosphere for one last reading, and then it burned up. It was powered by ceramic-encased pellets of plutonium-238, which sounds kind of scary if you don't know that this has been used for a lot of different things, including thermoelectric generators and even in the 1960s, some pacemakers. Plutonium-238 also helped power the Pioneer 10 and 11 spacecraft and Voyager 1 and Voyager 2, as well as Galileo and, later, Cassini. When Galileo hit Jupiter's atmosphere, sometime later... Fairly short time later, a big mysterious black spot appeared, lasted for a while, and then vanished. This actually turned out to be a shadow from one of Jupiter's moons, Io. But what they were really trying to do was ignite Jupiter into a second sun. That's the theory. An engineer named Jaco van de Vorp, who was a big 2012 will be the apocalypse guy, He had a whole bunch of technical-sounding reasons for why he thought a spacecraft loaded with pellets of plutonium-238 traveling at 48 kilometers a second would cause a chain reaction that would make Jupiter go boom. Boom, boom, boom. It was traveling that fast, by the way, so that no terrestrial bacteria that had somehow survived the spaceflight and orbit would escape and contaminate any of the nearby moons. This Jupiter ignition theory probably started with Richard Hoagland, who used to curate the Springfield Science Museum. He was a NASA consultant. He was the first person to suggest that there could be liquid water under the ice of Europa, and so therefore maybe there could be life under there. In fact, Arthur C. Clarke credits him for this idea, which Clarke put into his book 2010 Odyssey 2, his sequel to 2001. But just because you know things, and just because you have degrees, it doesn't mean you can't also be a conspiracy guy, which Mr. Hoagland certainly is. Here's a rundown of some of the things that he believes. He thinks there are structures on Mars built by aliens. There are six-mile-high glass skyscrapers on the moon built by a now-dead alien civilization. Saturn and Mars both have artificial moons. The Apollo 1 astronauts were all murdered. The powers that be have weather control technology and also anti-gravity technology. 9-11 was a magic ritual as part of an ongoing war between the Templar Knights and the Freemasons, and the towers were brought down using an energy weapon of unknown provenance, and also that the Nazis created off-world colonies, including a moon base. 
Keep in mind, how much of this he originated is hard to say because he has a bit of a reputation for stealing other conspiracy people's ideas and then passing them off as his own ideas. King King of of the the planets. So Jupiter is one of the gas giants. It's the biggest gas giant, mainly made of hydrogen and helium. It's very, very massive, but it's not massive enough to ignite it into a star. If it were bigger, then it could begin fusion igniting it into another sun in the solar system. But it would have to be 70 or 80 times more massive than it is in order to do that. Even the smallest known red dwarf is 80 times more massive than Jupiter. Though brown dwarves are only like 13 times more massive. But anyway, more massive. Though because of the way that Jupiter is structured, even if it were 13 times more massive than it is, it still wouldn't become a star. So even given an explosion from plutonium-238 pellets, there's just not enough there to ignite. And the way that the plutonium was distributed in the craft would mean that it could never become a fission bomb anyway. The whole idea is you create a fission bomb, which then starts fusion. Interestingly, there's also, it turns out, not just one kind of hydrogen. This has to do with isotopes, which are atoms with different numbers of neutrons. So even though they're the same element, they have different relative nuclear masses. So the type of hydrogen that's on Jupiter wouldn't ignite. So Jupiter's not massive enough. It lacks the containment mass to maintain internal fusion, even if you could kickstart it, and it has the wrong kind of hydrogen. You may have heard people say that Jupiter is a, quote, failed star, but actually, it's not. Also, also, Galileo had been using the plutonium as fuel for quite a number of years, and there just wasn't that much of it left. Why a second sun? So, let's just say that they had somehow figured out a way to overcome all of these facts. Why would they do it? Why would they want another sun in the solar system? Keep in mind, even if it did become a second sun, it would be something like one three hundredth as bright as the sun, which is not terribly effective. And because of its distance from Earth, we on Earth would only see an an increase in energy of around 0.02%. I mean, it seems hardly worth it, right? And while the orbits of the inner planets would probably remain fairly unaffected should it ignite into a sun, the outer planets would almost certainly get all cattywampus. But maybe that's the point. Maybe the reason for trying this was not to create extra energy for Earth, but maybe it was to disrupt the outer planet's orbits. And now we have a variety of ideas and threads from a number of sources. Why would they do that? One, to screw up the aliens from Planet X. That's an outer planet. It would make sure that Nibiru or Planet X never comes into the inner solar system and Earth would be saved from the demonic slash alien invasion heralded by the Catholic Church. So we're tying this back into the first Lucifer Project theory. Or to clear the way for the aliens on Planet X, aiding them in their mission. Or to send a message, like a beacon, to the aliens of Planet X or maybe aliens elsewhere, saying, okay, everything's ready, come on down, like a big lighthouse. Maybe they wanted to wipe out a bunch of life on Earth, which is great for population control, and anybody who follows the New World Order series of mega conspiracy ideas thinks that, for some reason, they have to reduce the population of Earth down to about 2 billion, and then they can institute the New World Order. In the meantime, the powers that be will hide out in underground bunkers while the rest of us up here on the surface die. 
Or maybe it was to warm the moons around this now new sun, and that would make terraforming much, much easier, especially Titan. And then humans would colonize the now terraformed Titan. So that would be a new world, new world order. Anyway, as we all know, Galileo went into the atmosphere of Jupiter, burned up, and did not ignite it into a sun. Well, it's a good thing they had a backup plan. The Cassini Cassini spacecraft. Cassini was launched shortly after Galileo. It was launched in 1997, and it got to Saturn in 2004. And then, similar thing, it took all these great pictures, told us a lot about the rings, and then it burned up in the atmosphere of Saturn in 2017. This was, the conspiracy folks say, another attempt to create a second sun, but this time using Saturn. Of course, Saturn is even smaller than Jupiter, so if Jupiter's not big enough to become a new sun, then Saturn certainly isn't. Oh, and some say Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick knew all about these plans way back in the late 60s, which is why in 2001 they have the spaceship The Discovery go to Jupiter, and there Dave Bowman, the only survivor, encounters the Stargate and aliens. And of course, in the sequel, 2010, Jupiter does in fact ignite and become a second sun. And that second sun is named Lucifer. Conflating evidence. Conflating is when two or more sets of information or concepts get merged into one, usually erroneously. This can often result in syllogisms. Syllogisms are a conclusion reached through deductive reasoning by assuming that the propositions of the logical argument are based on facts. It's kind of, if A is part of C, then B must also be part of C. For example, that thing I'm looking at there is either a cat or a dog. It's not a dog, so therefore it must be a cat, but it could easily be neither of those things. Or, a classic one, crows are black, that bird is black, so therefore it must be a crow, which leaves out that there are lots of other blackbirds. So a conspiracy theory about a telescope named Lucifer, which isn't actually a telescope, run by the Vatican, says that demons will come to Earth masquerading as aliens and usher in a new dark age for humanity who will be destroyed slash enslaved and so on, This then morphs into another theory that says NASA is trying to create a second sun for possibly some of those same reasons, or maybe not. So the logic chain, I think, goes something like this. Lucifer telescope. Telescopes look at space. Galileo goes into space and orbits Jupiter, which is in space. Jupiter has hydrogen and is a failed star. Galileo will crash into Jupiter. Galileo has plutonium. Plutonium makes big boom. Lucifer means bringer of light. They They want to make make Lucifer Lucifer a second second star. This will cause the last days, just like in the Bible, because Lucifer is Satan, and Satan means the end times. These connections are tenuous enough that you can kind of mix in whatever other conspiracies you're currently nursing. The Illuminati, Freemasons, whatever. Maybe there are inhabitants of the hollow earth who will help you weather the destruction on the surface, repopulating after it's all done. I mean, you could add a whole bunch of conspiracies to this. 
As with all apocalypse soon scenarios, it didn't come to pass, as we know. Nothing happened in 2003 when Galileo crashed into Jupiter, and nothing happened in 2012 when the current Mayan calendar ran out, and then nothing happened in 2017 when Cassini crashed into Saturn. There's probably some sort of comfort in thinking that it will all end soon. I assume that's why people latch on to apocalyptic thinking. All the difficulties I'm facing now will soon be over. They'll be replaced, of course, with a whole new set of difficulties, but hey, variety is the spice of life. Plus, if I'm a true believer, I have a roadmap for how to behave during these end times, and so I kind of don't have to deal with the stress of constantly having to make choices. The bonus is, I will be one of the people who is saved. And of course, the Vatican and NASA are both big organizations, and they've been targets for various conspiracy theories for ages. Could it simply be, just because of a German joke to name or nickname their imaging module Lucifer as a pun on a politician's name, a whole series of elaborate narratives got woven together in some people's minds, who then pushed them out there for notoriety and profit? Well, does, does the, pope the Pope shit, shit in, the in the woods? Whoa, hold on just a moment. Just because I was done recording the episode doesn't mean that the world stops turning and news doesn't keep happening. So I present to you Bonus, bonus Conspiracies, The Shining. The Shining. All work All and work no and play no makes play Bill, Bill Gates, Gates a satanic murderer. In the Bible, uh, Isaiah 13 and 14 are uh, together a prophecy against Babylon. Isaiah 14, 12 says, quote, how have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. In the late 4th century CE, the Bible was translated into Latin from Greek in what's known as the Vulgate translation. The translators at that time decided that the person being addressed here should probably be given a proper name, Lucifer. The name Lucifer comes from the Latin name for the planet Venus. It literally means bringing light from lux, which means light, and fere, which means to bring. And Venus was also known as the morning star. So light bringer and morning star, that's Lucifer in Latin. This lux fere is a translation of the Greek word phosphoros, which means light bringer, which is also what the Greeks called the planet Venus. They also sometimes called it heosphoros, which means morning star. When the English-language King James Bible came around, the tradition of this name being the actual name of the big bad angel cast out of heaven, Lucifer, that we all know and love or don't love, depending on who we are, this tradition had been well-established. Many serious scholars, however, note that this is in the middle of a prophecy about Babylon, and so the morning star being addressed there is almost certainly the king of Babylon. After all, Satan never laid low any nations, and why would the writer, in the middle of telling Babylon how screwed they're going to be, suddenly throw in this non-sequitur about Lucifer, about the angel that was cast out? But the morning star equals Lucifer, Lucifer equals Satan interpretation is often reinforced by Jesus' own words in Luke 10.18. There he says, quote, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So, there you go. 
Cast down to earth equals fall like lightning from heaven. However, many scholars think Jesus was referring to the future, that he'd had a vision, thus seeing Satan fall, and that eventually, when it all played out, Satan would lose. Other people think he may have been referring to some event that happened in his own lifetime. The word Lucifer actually appears a couple of other times in the Vulgate Latin. Uh, it's in 2 Peter 1.19, where the quote is, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Morning star here clearly means Venus, and in the Vulgate Latin translation, it's translated as Lucifer. It's clearly the planet, not the angel that was cast out. You also have Jesus saying right near the end of the book of Revelation. And by the way, I'd like to point out, it's called the book of Revelation, not Revelations, Revelation, just one. Jesus says in Revelation 22:16, quote, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So here Jesus uses the term morning star to refer to himself. Though to be fair, the translation there in Latin is not Lucifer, but the term stella splendida et matutina, which means a star bright and of the morning. So one of the more commonly held English names for Satan, Lucifer, comes from Latin. The Latin term comes from a translation of a Greek term. The Greek term in turn comes from the Hebrew word Hillel, which means shining one. Incidentally, that was also a name that the Hebrews gave to the planet, yes, you guessed it, Venus. So that's the history of that. However, far-right radio pundit and founder of True News, T-R-U News, and also non-denominational, quote, pastor Rick Wiles, of the Flowing Streams Church in, yes, you guessed it, Florida. Oh, Florida man. Mr. Rick Wiles thinks otherwise. Let's keep in mind, this is a man who has said that the impeachment of Donald Trump was a, quote, Jew coup. The Jewish mafia killed JFK. Obama was a, quote, demon from hell waging jihad. Immigrants from Central America are a, quote, brown invasion being used by God to punish white Americans for allowing legal abortion. Hurricane Harvey was God's punishment for Houston's, quote, LGBT devotion. The Las Vegas shooting of 2017 was a false flag operation conducted by government-led gay and lesbian Nazi death squads. Ebola could, quote, solve America's problems with atheism, homosexuality, sexual promiscuity, pornography, and abortion. And recently he said COVID-19 is, quote, a death angel of God and one of the last steps of judgment, meaning, yay, the end times are here. So he's a jerk with a lot of axes to grind. Uh, the good news is, in February, YouTube permanently banned his channel for violating their hate speech rules. Well, even more recently, Mr. Wiles has come up with a new theory that Bill Gates is trying to build what he calls Lucifer's Antichrist system. This is in reference to work Gates is funding on a COVID-19 vaccine. Bill Gates is putting a lot of money towards developing this. Gates has said that, quote, eventually we will have to have some kind of digital certificates to show who has recovered or been tested recently, 
or when we have a vaccine, who's received the vaccine. Something similar to what's known as quantum dot technology. This is a nanotech thing. These are teeny, teeny, tiny semiconductors. But Gates is not suggesting that. He's suggesting using a kind of an invisible dye injected under the skin that could be read by apps on phones and computers and other scanning equipment that would be able to tell if someone has received certain vaccines or not. It's basically a data-encoded tattoo that is invisible to the naked eye but readable by certain enabled devices. Well, you hear that, you can probably guess what Pastor Wiles thought of when he heard about that. Yep, Mark of the Beast beast time. Besides the whole Mark of the Beast thing, Wiles thinks he has further, quote, proof the dye they're thinking of using in this uses an enzyme that causes bioluminescence in creatures like fireflies and jellyfish and some plants. This enzyme is called luciferous, spelled lucifer, L-U-C-I-F-E-R-A-S-E. Of course, since lucifer means light bringing. For the record, the term was coined by French pharmacologist Raphael Dubois in the late 19th century. But of course, when you only have a hammer, every problem begins to look like a nail. So Bill Gates wants to mark people under their skin with something named after Lucifer? Wiles sort of freaked out on his show, calling Gates, quote, an enemy of the human race, offering to stick Bill Gates' syringe, quote, so far up his rectum, he'll cough it out, and then telling Bill, quote, you're going to have to kill me. You're never going to get me to take your vaccine or your quantum dot. You'll have to kill me because I will fight you with everything I've got. I'm not going to give in to Bill Gates or any of these other freaks, unquote. It's kind of weird that he went right to the butt stuff. Wiles and other far-right Christian types also mentioned something called the ID2020 system, which Bill Gates is also helping fund. This proposal would be a way for people to basically embed their information, their documents, and so on in the cloud, accessible using a digital certificate. This would make sure that this stuff is never lost. Like, I don't know about you, but In my house, my wife has a box with all of our important documentation, and should the place ever catch fire, we're supposed to remember to go get that box. You wouldn't need to because the stuff's in the cloud and you have access to it, especially useful for people who become refugees who very often have to leave a place in a big hurry. Wiles thinks that this too would be physically implanted in people's bodies inside of this quantum dot or another quantum dot, but... uh, Spending literally 45 seconds on the website for ID2020 shows that this is quite simply not true. The Lucifer Lucifer Trust Trust and the New New World World Order. Author and self-styled thinker, quote-unquote, Dean W. Arnold, who's written books about the Ark of the Covenant in Ethiopia, Hillary Clinton shooting Vince Foster in a lover's quarrel, and other things, also has his eye on Bill Gates. He thinks... Gates is trying to depopulate the world using vaccines and birth control so as to usher in the New World Order. He also thinks Gates is a white supremacist, Nazi eugenics guy, and is deeply involved in funding the Lucis Trust. That's L-U-C-I-S. 
The Lucis Trust was first established in 1922 by Alice and Foster Bailey. These two people were into this whole esoteric movement that was going on in the early 20th century, especially in the 20s, following uh, Blavatsky and Theosophy and all of that kind of stuff. Lots of stuff about energies. It's sort of the, the seed from which modern New Ageism grew. The trust was designed to encourage comparing religions so that common ground could be found in an effort to heal wounds. Remember, keep in mind, this is right after World War I, in an attempt to unite people instead of dividing them. They also think electricity has magical powers and that light is a manifestation of pure spirit and is conscious. It all started, actually, in 1922, not as a trust, but as a book publisher called Lucifer Publishing Company because Lucifer is the light bringer. So they were using the Latin term. However, even back in the 20s, this raised a few eyebrows. So in 1924, just two years later, they changed the name from Lucifer to Lucis. So Bill and Melinda Gates give this group money, and supposedly so does George Soros, who's on everybody's hit list. Arnold thinks that all these guys are occultists with an agenda or three, or none of it's very good. Similar ideas are proposed by a book that says it, quote, covers it all, Freemasonry, the Jesuits, sun worship, etc. See how Nimrod and Semiramis created a system called Baal worship, B-A-A-L, that controls many religions and secret societies today. Discover how America is political Babylon. The book is called Lucifer's Desire Exposing Satan's Plan for World Domination by someone named J.W. Stansell, who wants to be called Doctor. And last but not least, Russian film director and COVID-19 conspiracy theorist, I'm sorry, I mean truther, Nikita Mikhalkov, has also raised an alarm of sorts. He notes that on March 26th of this year, 2020, Microsoft filed for a patent with the WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Organization. The patent is named or numbered WO slash 2020 slash 060606. The patent states that it is for a, quote, cryptocurrency system that awards cryptocurrency to the user whose body activity data is verified. In short, basically, this is a method to sort of create or encourage a new economic model by allowing people to turn physical or mental labor into computer power in the form of blockchain cryptocurrencies, which they can then turn into real currency and buy things and services that they want to need. On something called Bisogan TV, which means something like demon killer or something like that, Mikhailkov asked first, is it just a coincidence that if you remove the zeros from the last part of the patent, it becomes WO 2020-6666? Or is this a statement of intent? After asking that question, he then kind of goes off the rails, talking about a future society in which the elite live luxurious lives while the rest of us who have been chipped and marked by this patent will be slave-like drones, a little bit like that Black Mirror episode, 10 million credits or something like that. I can't remember what, it, what exactly it was called, but it's really good. Watch it. Of course, the patent itself says nothing at all about chips. It does mention sensors that would read biometric data for a device, you know, kind of like a Fitbit does now. 
except that instead of just going, hey, I got my 10,000 steps, you would actually get cryptocurrency for doing those 10,000 steps. And as for the whole worry that it could also be used to track people, honestly, our smartphones already do this. Plus, let's not forget, Bill Gates is no longer head of Microsoft. Also note that the patent at the same time was also filed in the U.S. Patent Office, and there its number is US 2020097951. But that but gets that me gets to me thinking. thinking. I noticed that all right, you take out the 2020 part, that's obviously the year, and then you take out the two nines, and you get 751. Now, if you add the last and first digits, seven and one, you get eight, and then there's that five in the middle, so 8585, and this is where it gets spooky. So 751 minus 85 is, drum roll please, 600. And 66. See, it's really just not that hard to come up with this stuff if you want to. I also notice that news articles about Mr. Mikhalkov keep referring to him as an Oscar-winning director. However, a very quick search shows that he is not an Oscar winner. He's never even been nominated for an Oscar. And that makes me come up with a little conspiracy theory all my own. He puts this patent theory out there with this erroneous Oscar-winning title so that people will think that he won an Oscar. And then when some people find out he didn't win an Oscar, maybe then they'll think, well, maybe he should win an Oscar. Is he secretly working on another film? And this is an attempt to try and influence the Oscar committees? Now that Parasite won Best Picture, it seems like the field is open. Or is this just a clever way for him to hype his back catalog? Maybe he's embroiled in a deal with a streaming service to offer all of his films out there with subtitles. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.